This world, particularly modern Western society, needs to know God as many of our forefathers did. Here on Search for Truth Radio with our Bible teacher Brian Johnston, we're looking into why this might be so and how a greater knowledge of God might be gained in our day. This is the second of 12 studies on this subject and it's great that you've joined us. I'm delighted to have your company. Today, Brian looks into the way in which different cultures in the world are changing in their relationship with God and the evident effects of this he will include in his studies. Brian's title for today's talk is A Mobile Throne, not to be confused with your Apple iPhone. So, Brian, what does your title refer to? A Mobile Throne. You've most probably heard the saying, if God seems far away, guess who's moved? The suggestion being made is that periods in our personal life when God seems distant are down to us having drifted spiritually. But in this study, we're going to track a time when it was definitely God who moved. I'm generally content with anything secondhand, but secondhand knowledge of God is the route to spiritual impoverishment. And we're going to see that demonstrated among the people of God in Ezekiel's day. As the author Packer says, we must learn to measure ourselves not by our knowledge about God, not by our gifts and responsibilities in the church, but by how we pray and what goes on in our hearts. Many of us, I suspect, have no idea how impoverished we are on this level. Let us ask the Lord to show us. And perhaps he can use the prophet Ezekiel and what we find in the Bible book that bears his name to do this. His book, as we've already seen, is one that opens with a vision that was given to him, a vision of the splendour of the glory of God. Like the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, Ezekiel said, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. That's the splendour of God, I'm sure you'll agree. But this is a book of very vivid contrasts. Alongside the splendour of God, we are brought face to face with the total ruination of God's people. On the one hand, the book presents God as glorious and sovereign. For example, we read of Egypt being given to Babylon by God as wages for their defeat of Tyre. But on the other hand, it presents the people of God as ruined and defeated, ruined by the lack of knowledge of God, or even the lack of any desire on their part to have it, for they'd rebelled against it. Then he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me, and you shall say to them, This is what the Lord God says. As for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. That's Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 3. And so it was to these people, Ezekiel was called to bring God's message to a people who'd constantly rebelled against God. They're repeatedly described as a rebellious house. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. Yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, 
since they are not willing to listen to me, Ezekiel 3, 4. As Ezekiel begins to bring God's message to this people, he charts for us the movement of the glory of the Lord as he journals his experience of God. Go to the exiles, to the sons of your people, and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not, this is what the Lord God says. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard a great rumbling sound behind me. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place, Ezekiel 3.11. And he brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the north gate of the inner courtyard, where the seat of the idol of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy, was located. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, like the appearance which I saw in the plain, Ezekiel 8.3. This is God giving his prophet an altogether different vision now, a glimpse of the ruined state of those whose high calling had once been to serve the true and living God of glory. Then he says, he brought me into the inner courtyard of the Lord's house. And behold, at the entrance to the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord, while their faces were toward the east, and they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. Ezekiel 8 verse 16. As a consequence of this, we notice with Ezekiel the gradual, slow movement of God's glory away from the Jerusalem temple. Then the glory of the God of Israel ascended from the cherub on which it had been to the threshold of the temple, Ezekiel 9.3. It's a gradual withdrawal. God is reluctant to leave, but his people leave him no choice, having rebelled in refusing to know him and his ways. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. When the cherubim departed, they lifted their wings and rose up from the ground in my sight with the wheels beside them, and they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel hovered over them. Ezekiel 10:18. Little by little, stage by stage, God's glorious presence is retreating from its former residence in the temple, and God sounds a warning to his persistently rebellious people. You will fall by the sword. I will judge you to the border of Israel, so you shall know that I am the Lord. I will judge you to the border of Israel, so you will know that I am the Lord. For you have not walked in my statutes, nor have you executed my ordinances, but you have acted in accordance with the ordinances of the nations around you. Ezekiel 11.10 Notice the repetition of the root cause behind God's departure. They'd lost the knowledge of God and needed to learn it again through this bitter experience. Knowledge of God is the basis of eternal life, as the Apostle John notes Jesus saying in the New Testament. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 17 verse 3. Not only is the knowledge of God the basis of eternal life, but continued growth in the knowledge of God is the essence of that life. Although the promise and revelation about eternal life had to await the coming of Christ in the New Testament, it's still true that the outstanding deficit with God's Old Testament people 
as recorded in the book of Ezekiel, was the lack of the knowledge of God. More than 60 times the prophet Ezekiel talks about people, either God's own people or their neighbours, needing to come to know God. It was their greatest need, and it's the greatest need of God's people at any time, even when we, who may claim to be God's people, haven't fallen down as far as Israel or Judah had at that time. The transportation of God's people happened in stages or waves. Those left behind in Jerusalem at this stage were boasting that they still possessed the land with its temple. And Ezekiel is told, your fellow exiles are those to whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, keep far from the Lord. This land has been given to us as a possession. Ezekiel 11.15. We should say that Ezekiel preached to God's people in the 6th century BC for some 22 years during their Babylonian captivity. What was it that had brought God's people to ruin? Well, they'd taken God for granted. They'd assumed that God's covenant with their forefathers was irrevocable. They'd presumed the ownership of the land was permanent. They thought that some of them would remain immune to any foreign captivity as long as God, or at least his temple, was standing in Jerusalem. As Packer says, we must learn to measure ourselves, not by our knowledge about God, not by our gifts and responsibilities in the church, but by how we pray and what goes on in our hearts. As for Israel, God would bring them back and restore them to their land, but first, he'd have to interrupt their continuous enjoyment of it because of their rebellious refusal to have him in their knowledge. God would first abandon his city entirely. Ezekiel saw it happening quite graphically. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain which is east of the city. Ezekiel 11:22. In the Western world today, God's word, generally speaking, is no longer respected. It's because people have turned away from even desiring to know God. The Apostle Paul says in the beginning of his letter to the Romans, For even though they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasonings, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible mankind, of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them up to impurity, degrading passions, indecent acts, and the exchanging of natural functions for that which is unnatural. To rebel against the knowledge of God brings the ruin of any human society. We are slow to learn the lessons of history. Recent analyses of global Christianity show that Christianity isn't shrinking, but it's shifting. It's shifting its centre of gravity from the great land masses of North America and Europe in 1900 to sub-Saharan Africa and East Asia by the time the year 2020 had arrived. God certainly in terms of his evident working, has been moving out of Western society as it increasingly refuses to know him 
and becomes more and more secular. And in the writing of constitutions and legislation that's increasingly hostile to God and the Bible, we have in our time, just like Ezekiel, a perception of God moving further and further away. Thank you, Brian, for your talk, and I hope you enjoyed listening and found it helpful. So do write in, please, if you have any questions or comments, and Brian will be pleased to write to you. Again, I remind you, there's a transcript book available of the 12 study talks in this series, so why not send for it? Then you'll be able to get more out of the radio talks. It's available online. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book just write in and ask for the title A Greater Sense of God You can use email or the post and here's our address Search for Truth Hayes Press The Barn Flaxlands Royal Wootton Bassett Swindon SN48DY UK Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So, it's been great to enjoy your company again today. Thank you. And do join us again next week for our next talk about a greater sense of God. So, till we'll see you next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So, see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.